invite you to open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to be starting there in just a moment. That'll be one of several, several passages that we look at tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Again, it's good to see everyone out this evening. Good that uh, people are seemingly starting to get healthy again, and hopefully we can start kind of getting away from uh, everybody at Lakeside getting some kind of illness. And so uh, hopefully we're kind of getting on the latter end of all of that, and especially with the holidays coming up. That would be stupendous. But it is good to see everyone out that we have out this morning or this evening. Just like it was this morning, uh, just good to be able to worship God and sing praises to Him. Those first two songs that we sung are actually some of my favorite hymns. So it was, uh, I think, a very good start to an hour of worship as we try to focus on God and in, in, in our praise to Him and also in our study of Him. And what I want to talk about tonight is is really kind of connected with something that we talked about last week as we looked at that passage where Paul says that we need to give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to sound, and to, to sound doctrine or teaching, and, and really all that comes down to the word. We need to give more attention to the word of God at all times, and frankly, it's, it's, it's becoming a, a, a fascination of mine that the more I study, the more I realize God never, ever gets away from bringing more attention into His Word. And so, just kind of connected to that, I want to uh, talk about tonight how we, we tend to know that we need to study our Bible, just, just like we talked about last week. But we still um, struggle sometimes with, I think, staying on course. Especially and when you think about a reading uh, plan for, for a whole year. It's very easy to get somewhat... I, I, I don't know, disgruntled is not the right word, but somewhat, you know, maybe uh, you, you lose your fervor because you, you have a day where you're supposed to read, but then you think it's been a long day, it's been a hard day, and then you get to the next day, and it's been another long and hard day, and you think, okay, well, I'll just get caught up on those last two days the next day. But then it's the weekend, and then you have a lot going on, and, and it just kind of builds on itself. It's very easy, just like with all kinds of, of uh, goals that we give ourselves, especially at the beginning of the year, New Year's resolutions. How many of those resolutions do we actually finish by the end of the year? It would be a good idea if we just made one resolution that was supposed to just be the first day of January and then we've accomplished that for the year. But, but frankly, that's not how it goes most of the time. And so uh, we, I think this is one reason that we struggle when it comes to studying our Bibles. And it's, it's a lot like exercise, which I'm going to use this as an illustration a couple of times in our study. But we understand that we need it. We know that it would help us. We know that it would make us healthy. We know that it would uh, keep us from getting, uh, you know, worse physiques, worse health, maybe even mentality. But sometimes we just struggle to know how to start that practice or especially maintain it. So we're going to come at this from a, a very a building habits perspective. I, I want to get to the point where I'm not only read the Bible, but it is my habit. It's a good habit that's hard to break. Uh, and, and so really, that's really what we should be striving for as Christians, as servants of God, as children of His. And so what I want to start with is looking at our mindset. It is very likely that we need to change our mindset when it comes to studying the Bible and reading God's Word. And so if you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll start there. Because one of the first things that I think we need to understand is it's very easy to make excuses. Uh, when it, when we, as we are trying to read, especially the Bible in a whole year. 
There's a lot of excuses that we might give ourselves. There's a lot of excuses we may hear from some people when, they, when we ask, well, what happened? What, what made you fall off the horse? Well, I'm okay. Sometimes people say, I'm okay for today. I, I guess I think about it enough at worship, and so really that should be enough for me, and, and so I, I think I'm good for right now. And then frankly, I think I might be good for the rest of the week because I already, already done it Sunday and I already done it Wednesday. So the rest of the week I, I feel pretty good. And you know what? Sunday's coming up again. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6, it says, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What did God leave out there? It really seems like from, from even the Old Testament in the Law of Moses, he's trying to say, he's trying to emphasize, you never stop thinking about this. You never stop talking about this. It should be commonplace in our homes. It should be commonplace maybe at work. It should be commonplace on the way. Everything you do, it should be commonplace for the Word of God to be a part of that. Um, and, and I think sometimes it, it, that's where we kind of struggle. It's not commonplace. It's kind of awkward to maybe bring Bible into things. But, but does this sound like it's once or twice every week, what God says here? Does it sound like it's just Sundays and Wednesdays? And maybe for them, maybe it's just Sabbath. No, he says every day. And so uh, I think that that's important to note. But if you turn over to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. This is another, I think, re-emphasis of God telling his people over and over that they need to focus on his word, <clears throat> Joshua chapter 1, in verse 8. Actually, we'll begin in verse 7, because, or verse 6, because this is, I think, a very common theme throughout the Bible, especially in Joshua, when the people are about to take the land. What does God try to remind them of? Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. And it's interesting, because the very next verse, and at the beginning of verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. So it, it, it's interesting because sometimes people will look at Bible study and they will say something to the degree of, I just, I don't have enough, I just don't have enough time to study the Bible. I don't have enough time to, you know, pick out a certain night or pick out a certain morning where we can just get together. That's, that's a common thing that I hear from people when I'm trying to have a Bible study with them. Maybe someone out in the community. I just, I really struggle. I don't have enough time to do this. Uh, <laughs> what we read in Deuteronomy and in Joshua, does this, does does this sound like an option? What does he say? Have I not commanded you? Don't turn from it to the right or to the left. And, and I know that that was my left and then right, but I was, this is your right and this is your left. So. <laughs> but well, he makes very clear it's not an option. This is something that you need. Uh, and and uh, I like one story that I've heard on this. There's a, a brother and, and a mentor that he was trying to talk to somebody about having a Bible study with them. And they claim to be very religious. They claim to be very spiritual. And they claim to be Christians. And he was trying to have a Bible study with this, this woman. And, and she said, well, I just I don't have enough time. And he just repeated her words. He said, you don't have enough time 
to study the Bible. And it just kind of rang in silence because as he just repeated her very own words, she kind of understood, what did I just say? I said, I don't have enough time to, I, I can't make time to listen to God's word. There's a serious problem there. It's an excuse, and excuses keep us from admitting and acting on the reality. We need this. Again, it's, it's, it's a lot like exercise. We know that we need it. We know that it would help. But, you know, we're, we're just, we just can't make enough time to make it happen. That's an excuse that Paige is getting kind of tired of with me, <laughs> especially when it comes to the dieting, because that's, that's another thing. It would help us. It would make us feel better even. But you know what? I just don't have enough time to just even get this scheduled out, to get this planned out enough so that way I could be successful in it. It's the same spiritually. We have to stop making excuses. We need to correct our mindset. Once we stop making the excuses, then there's nothing else for us to say other than, yeah, I'm not giving any time for this. And so maybe we just need to make some confessions in our own lives personally and, and, and internally. Well, not only that, but we need to stop viewing it, as we kind of already indicated, as optional. Now, how do we do this? One way we do it is, is I, I, I've heard many Christians say this, you know, from one time or another, I know enough about this. You know, I really, I, I know enough about this that I can get by. And I could get through a Bible class in this. And, and, and frankly, you know, I know that there has been a time or two where people are, are kind of called on the spot maybe to fill the invitation because someone's not there. And you know what, in that, in, in that way, maybe they do know enough. Maybe they've had a lot of experience and practice up to that point to where they could do a good job if they were called on the spot. But, but that, that's not what really what I'm talking about here. A lot of times people say, I know enough, I've done this enough, I can get by with this. And, and, and they say that because, again, they're just trying to make another excuse. They don't really want to put any more work into this. They may not realize it, but this is viewing Bible reading as optional. This is viewing reading God's Word as optional. Um, in Matthew chapter 4, in verse 4, do you remember what, what Jesus says to, to the devil as the devil tries to tempt him by, uh, you know, command that this stone become bread so that you may eat it? What does he say in Matthew 4 and verse 4? He's quoting Deuteronomy. But it's, he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Is he saying that bread does not matter for man to survive? No, it's crucial. What is he saying about God's word then? That is far more crucial. God's word is needed just as much daily as bread. It's needed more so than bread. And Jesus proves it in the wilderness. And so is, just like we would ask, is bread optional? No, we need it to survive. Is the word optional? No, we need it to survive. I mean, seriously, literally. And, and, and we, need to, we need to view it that way. I think one of our problems is we have a hard time viewing it that way. Maybe someone would say something like, I'm just not very good at studying it. And, and really, I'm already a Christian. Let me just say, I understand that. I mean, these last few years, this is not how I used to be. I really love studying now. But I'll tell you something. I got through most of my uh, middle school and high school career just trying to figure out ways how to not study. You know, all of the shortcuts that you could take, I was there first. And it, because, you know, it's just, it's boring. You don't, you know, I don't really want to get much out of it. I, I say I'm not going to get much out of it, <laughs> but that's because I just don't want that much out of it. And, and so, you know, we take the shortcuts and we just give some of these excuses. 
But let me, let, me just, let me just say, you know who else viewed studying as an unnecessary hurdle? The Israelites. Time and time again. Go over to Hosea chapter 8. Hosea chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. This is very interesting. Hosea chapter 8, <coughs> in verse 12, excuse me. Hosea 8 and verse 12. It says, though I wrote for him 10,000 precepts of my law, they are regarded as a strange thing. Is 10,000 a small number? As for my sacrificial gifts, they sacrifice the flesh and, and eat it. But the Lord has taken no delight in them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish them for their sins. They will return to Egypt. For Israel has forgotten his maker and built palaces. And Judah has multiplied fortified cities. But I will send a fire on its cities that it may consume its uh, palatial dwellings. Israel really looked at reading God's word and, and remembering it and maintaining in it they looked at that as a, it's just, uh, it's just, it's such a hassle. It's so boring. It's just a chore. Sometimes I know that it's very tempting to look at our Bible reading as a chore. But just remember, that's what got Israel to this point where Hosea says, you have become the unfaithful bride. You have become the people who, even though God wrote 10,000 precepts of his law, they have considered it a strange thing. You know what that means? They look at any part of it and they think, what is, where is this coming from? That's the whole reason you get to the first century. And when they look at Jesus, they don't recognize him immediately. Are we going down the very same path that the Israelites often did? Just viewing it as another chore that I really wish I didn't have to do. We must correct that. If we don't correct that, it's going to be, it's going to cause even more hurdles to come all along. But we started with two things we need to stop. But I want to end this point with something that we need to continue as always, we need to remember that this is God's Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, in, in verses 16 and 17, it says that all Scripture is breathed out. All Scripture is inspired by God. This is God's Word. This is the one who we claim is our beloved's Word. Now, when, when you think about everything that, that Paul tells Timothy there about Scripture and, and how really all of the emotion that we should find there with, with everything that God says he wants it to do for his people with correction, with reproof. In, in verse 16, it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. God gave us this so that we would be benefited by it, that we would grow, that we would learn, that we would be more like him. How can anyone read these kinds of verses or verses like it and then say, you know, I just... I try and I try, but I just don't get much out of it. Now, I hope that we're going to talk a little bit more tonight about how we maybe we can help that kind of attitude. But most of the time when people say this, it's not because they really can't get anything out of it. It's just because they put the bare minimum into trying to learn. They put the bare minimum, just like Israel did, in trying to, to fall in love with God's word. That's the problem. You're not going to get much. You're, let me tell you, if you put the bare minimum into something, you're going to get the bare minimum out of it. You get about just as much as you, get, as you put into something. And so we need to understand that. It reveals a lack of reverence and it reveals a lack of love when we approach the scriptures with this kind of attitude. Um, just just kind of take a pause with me for a moment and, and think about it like this. If, if, if there was a man who had a wife that made his lunch every day and, and you know, it's really sweet that she does that before he goes to work. And so she, this day she makes uh, lunch for him. And as she puts it in his lunchbox, she writes a little note, just kind of a love note. And, and maybe it's just some encouragement. She puts that in the box as well. 
And as it gets to lunch break, the man, frankly, he's just had a long day. He's finally able to sit back and relax. He opens the lunchbox. He sees the note. I, I tell you, most people would read it because, I mean, obviously, what else would you do? You're not just going to throw it away. But for sake of this illustration, what if the man just decided, ah, I'm going to throw it away for this reasoning? You know, it's, it's, it's been a long day. I, I, I've been busy. I'm already enjoying the food. I really do appreciate her already. So, and really, I appreciate the thought that she put into this. But honestly, I'm just I'm too tired and I'm too busy to read it. And frankly, she, she, know, she understands this. She knows that I don't like reading anyway. She knows me well enough to understand that. I just find it boring and I just find it too much of a hassle. What, what do you think is going to happen when he gets home and she with a smile on her face says, did, did you read that letter I wrote you? Uh, well, I appreciated the thought you put into it, but I just threw it away. Did, 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 you, did you even read it? No, no, I didn't. How do you think that's going to go for him? I tell you what, that's a silly illustration. And it's supposed to be because I think it's the same level of disrespect and the same level of carelessness that we show God when we don't read his word for whatever reason. It's the same level of, of, of lack of love for God. Uh, you know, I know that he's put a lot into this. He's given his own son for this, but I, he knows I don't like reading. That's not a good enough excuse. That's, that's just frankly a terrible argument. And so we need to correct our mindset. Are we approaching it the, the right and appropriate and scriptural way? So we need to correct our attitude. But not only that, as we're trying to make this a habit, we need to learn how to manage our time. This, when you're talking about building good habits and breaking bad ones, this is a big part. I, I mean, I've read, uh, I, I haven't read just a myriad, but I've read several like self-help books and, and, and I'm going to quote a couple of them in a few, in a couple minutes, but I've read several different books that, you know, try to help you with making better habits and try to, uh, help it in just, you know, bettering yourself by, by how to break bad ones. And I'll tell you, almost every single one talks about managing your time well. And I think that there's a reason for that. In fact, you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 15. It says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I like the way the New King James put this. I believe it's the New King James because it, in verse 16 says, uh, uh, I like making the most of your time, but in the New King James it says, redeeming the time. Now that, I think, kind of puts a different spin on it. How often do we look at how busy our schedules get and just wish that the world would stop spinning for just a moment so that way we could catch up? Remember what he says about the day. These are evil days, and those evil days aren't going to stop for me, and they're not going to stop for you. And so what does that mean? We have to redeem the time. So how do we redeem the time? Well, the context seems, at least in, in this passage, the context seems to clearly stress it's by knowing God's will. That's, that's the main point that Paul is making, at least in this passage. You want to redeem the time? How do you be wise and not be foolish? Learn his will. Understand what the will of the Lord is. I think that's, I think that's pretty amazing. Because, I mean, that's literally the, the direct context of what he's trying to say. That you need to focus more on that wisdom. You need to focus more on God's word. How, how much time do we spend on Bible study in comparison to... Um, Netflix in comparison to you know any streaming service Disney Plus Amazon you know whatever you watch your movies and shows on how much time do we spend in 
uh, reading our Bible in comparison to social media, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I know not everybody <laughs> has, has, is, is tempted just as much on some of these things. I certainly am not when it comes to social media because it just aggravates the daylights out of me. But, but there are lots of people who are very, very tempted to spend all their time on that. Pinterest, that's another one for a lot of ladies. How much time do we spend on Bible study in comparison to video games, guys? I tell you, we spend a lot of time thinking, I need this recreational moment. I need to spend more time just, just on me. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. We do need to take time to enjoy our lives. But I don't think that we need to automatically assume that the only way we're going to enjoy our time is if God isn't present. And maybe that is the main issue. And so we need to spend more time in the Bible. And sometimes people will think, well, you know, where? Where do I go in the Bible? What do I need to study? I'll just say one thing that was very helpful for me when I started preaching, because I, need, I had to study everything across the board. And I was getting really discouraged at the time. And Brother Stephen Russell, another mentor of mine when I was in Athens, Alabama, he, he, every now and then he would slow me down and just say, listen, listen. Whenever you spend time in the Bible, it's never wasted time. There are going to be moments where you need to study some things more than others. But if you're studying the Bible, any place, it's not a waste of time. And that was very needed. And I think a lot of us need to hear that, you know, every so often. That it's not ever a waste of time. And what does that mean? Because when you think about what the devil wants for us, when we, how we spend our days, is it a victory or is it a defeat for Satan if we go a day without Scripture? Let me tell you something, it's certainly not a defeat. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, there are going to be instances where there's an emergency that happens. We truly just don't have any time because we've been running around every which way. That may happen, but is that going to be every single day? If we truly think that every single day is so filled with activities that we can't spend any time on God's word, I, I'm telling you, it's not because it's just a never-ending emergency. It's because we've probably filled our lives with all kinds of things that really we don't need as much as we think we do. So with so much time wasting by, we have to learn how to prioritize what is most important, what is most urgent, what is necessary, and put aside the rest. In fact, I was just saying, I was going to quote from a couple books, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I think it's a pretty decent book. And, and one of the things that he brings up, I can't remember where it is, but he brings up these like four quadrants. And, and he basically breaks it up into you have important and then non-important. Then you have urgent and not urgent. And so there are things that are urgent and important. There are things that are important but not urgent. And, just, and likewise, there are things that are not important but urgent and then not anything. Not urgent or important. And so he, he kind of goes through all those things and says, where do you want to spend most of your time? You certainly don't want to spend all of your time in important and urgent. What we really want to do is spend time on what is important and not urgent. Because what happens is that, that first quadrant of urgent and important, we like to procrastinate and wait. That's, that's moments of crisis. That's, I know taxes have to get done. It's always going to be the same day every year. But I still got a little bit more time. You know, it's, it's in two days. But I still got a little bit more time. I'm going to put that off. I'll tell you what. I've done that. And it's, it's not fun, and it's always going to be worse when you wait even longer and procrastinate and then have to file the extension. You, I didn't realize this at the time until after the fact. Do you realize you spend more time with the IRS when you file an extension? 
Because now, not only do you have to do the same work for your taxes, but now you have to do something extra. It's, it doesn't make sense, but that's what we do when we procrastinate. That's what happens in moments of crisis. We don't want to spend all our time there. And frankly, we don't want to spend all our time in the mo moments of, of not urgent and not important either. We want to try to spend most of our time on the things that we know are important, long-term goals that, that we're not just waiting for them to become the most urgent that they possibly could. And we tend to mix up those things. We tend to mix up what is urgent and what is not, what is important and what is not. There are lots of things that we don't think very much of that we refuse to go a day without. And sometimes they're for a good reason, sometimes they're for a bad reason. So, so thinking about that, let me ask you a question. How many of you consider, and you can raise your hand if you would like, how many of you consider brushing your teeth as not important enough, not a high priority to get done during the day? I shall wait. Okay, no, no hands. Yeah, there, there's a reason for that. And, and, I mean, there's a good reason. Because we consider it as one of the most important things that we're going to do today. Are we saving someone's life? No. But you are. I mean, there are long-term goals. There are long-term benefits. You're, it's hygienic. It's keeping you clean. It's keeping you healthy. You're going to keep your teeth from rotting. But you know what? Also, it's kind of gross. We just view it as really gross if we go a day without it. Because I'm going to have bad breath. Because it's just, it's just yucky. And, and, and so, you know, we, it, it's not necessarily like the most important thing in the world, but we do view it as something so important. We're going to find time to get it done, either before I go to bed or, or at some point during the day. Even if it's been a really late day, yeah, I got to brush my teeth because that's going to be kind of gross. And husbands, try to, do, try, to, try to do that. If you haven't brushed your teeth all day, try to go to bed <laughs> and see what your wife says if you haven't brushed your teeth that day. But, we, but again, we view these things as so important. That's why we make time for it. Why is it that we don't view Bible reading that way? Go to Daniel chapter 6 very quickly. <coughs> Daniel chapter 6. This is, a, again, another very, another very familiar uh, story. But Daniel chapter 6, the, the, there's a decree that's given that really is supposed to hinder Daniel and those like Daniel from from obeying God and, and worshiping God, but he doesn't keep that from, from uh, he doesn't let that keep him from praying to God. And so it says in verse 10, though he knew that the document was signed, he entered his house, not in his roof chamber, uh, or, or now in his roof chamber, he had opened windows uh, toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. Now, I will just say, for one thing, this isn't just Daniel making a statement. Sometimes people do really good things, but all they're doing is making a statement. That happens from time to time. And I think people can even do it with something like Bible reading. They see someone that, that maybe just they don't like or that ticks them off, and so they make it a point to, to read their Bibles, but they're not doing it to learn. They're not doing it to grow closer to God. They're doing it to, make a, to just you know, make a stance here. It's not what Daniel was doing. He was doing it because it was already a high priority on his list. He didn't go a day without praying to God. And in fact, he didn't go a day without praying to God multiple times. It was truly a priority for him. Why is it not the same for us I think it should be just as important as brushing our teeth. Because remember, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Maybe it's just that we don't view it the same way, the same way Jesus does. Am I comfortable with that? I shouldn't be. 
And so we need to learn how to manage our time. We need to spend more time in the Word, as much time as we can. We need to learn how to prioritize. And we also need to just start today and not push it off any longer. In Proverbs 27, <clears throat> Proverbs 27 in verse 1, very similar to what it says in James chapter 4. But in verse 1 of Proverbs 27, it says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you, and, and uh, not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. And so what he says there is, don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen. Don't be so confident in yourself, in your ability to predict, really your ability, your inability to predict. Don't think that you know what's coming. Uh, over in James chapter 4, it just very much says uh, the same thing, but with a little bit more emphasis. In James 4, in verse 13, it's not something that's let go of by the time you get to the New Testament. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is... You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. What I think is interesting is that 17 is in direct context to what he was just saying about not being boastful, not thinking that you're so great that you can know what's coming tomorrow. Verse 17, therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Isn't that interesting? Of course, reading God's word is the right thing to do. But how many times do we say, I'll get that done tomorrow? And then the next day, I'll get that done tomorrow. I'll get that done on the weekend. But tomorrow never comes. Once more, it's just the exact same thing when it comes to exercise and diets. I'll start tomorrow. I've said this before, but um, uh, Paige always thinks it's funny because whenever I am about to start some kind of health, you know, cleanse in my diet, I tend to say, Every time we're getting, you know, ice cream or every time we have dessert at someone's house, it's last meal, last meal. And sometimes she'll look at me and say, that's, that's your fifth last meal, buddy. <laughs> and, and frankly, I think that's what we do sometimes with the Bible, with our Bible reading. Just like we were talking about with taxes, ultimately we procrastinate. The point that I'm trying to make here is tomorrow you might end up being in a situation where you think, why didn't I do this yesterday? There's a good example of this, and I'll give you just a personal one. There was a time where me and, and my brother-in-laws, all of Paige's brothers, we went to China Buffet to meet up with a few people. And it was, it was really cool because uh, they were already in this conversation, having a Bible conversation. And, and Levi, Paige's twin, he, he called me and said, hey, I, we kind of need your help. Can you come in and, and let's all talk about this together? And so we were trying to tag team and just and, and, and talk about conversion. And I'll tell you what, we were talking to, I, I can't remember, it was like four, four different people. I think they were all Baptists. But the conversation obviously got to baptism. And we were really struggling to get past this. And the reason was not because these people were just so stubborn. These people just didn't know what they were talking about. It's because we, I didn't know what I was talking about. I wasn't making good arguments because, frankly, listen, I knew that this was sound doctrine. But I didn't know how to prove it. I didn't know how to make a defense for the hope that was in me. That should not be any one of us. If we are truly a Christian... We should never be described as those that just can't give a defense, that can't give an answer, a good, solid, firm answer for what we believe. If that's the case, if we can't, if we can never get to that point, maybe we are kind of guilty of those things that some, that some of this, the, the world around us says that we're just going by blind faith. And so we need to get to the point where today I'm preparing so that tomorrow when something inevitably comes up, I'm not going to put 
not myself to shame, but I'm not going to put Christ to shame. And I'm going to give that person that I'm talking to the best chance that they have to learn the gospel. And so, if anything, learn from my mistake. Learn from that failure. And so finally, with the ending with some of the practical application, just from what we've said, how do we prepare? We need to start preparing. Well, one thing I would suggest is start with a goal in mind. When you begin your, your Bible reading, it's helpful to think, what is it that I need to focus on the most? And so here's just a, li a list of a few things. If you're a new convert, maybe you just need some foundational information of the Bible story. The best place to start, go through the whole Bible. And it doesn't even have to be in here. You know what? You can even, you can, you know, fasten up the pace or quicken up the pace. You can read it in half a year. You can read it even sooner than that if you want to. But if you want to learn that Bible story, learn the foundational elements, learn the characters, and learn all these things, read it. Maybe you're someone who just needs more knowledge on conversion. I tell you, after that study where I made a mockery of a Christian not being able to give an answer, I spent a lot of time in Acts looking at all of the examples we have of how people became Christians. That's helpful. I needed to spend more time on that. Maybe you're someone who needs more in information about sound doctrine. What is sound doctrine? Look through the epistles. Listen to what Paul has to say about what Timothy and Titus need to preach and preach against. Maybe you're someone who is about to teach the Bi a Bible class on the life of Christ. You know, an easy way to limit that study, you know, because obviously you can't, you can't go from Genesis to Revelation because you have a limited time. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, though, pretty easily. You can read that in a week pretty easily. And so it's, it's, not like we're, it's not like this is, you know, impossible here. But start with a goal in mind. Is there something you're lacking on? Focus on that for a while. I would say add that to a daily Bible reading, just that you're going through the Bible in a year. But, but focus on the things that you feel like you need help on. That's never a waste of time. Um, not only that, but I would say, this is going to sound weird, but schedule time and place to study. Schedule when you're going to start and when you're going to stop. Again, I know that that sounds weird, but the reason I say that is because what happens when you say, I'll, I'll, I'll read until I get distracted? Let me, let me ask, does everybody, uh, does everybody have uh, one of these in their pockets? I'll, I'll read until I get interrupted. If you don't have Do Not Disturb on, it's going to be about 30 seconds because you're either going to get a call, a text message, Facebook message, some, something on one of your social media accounts, some kind of transaction that wasn't supposed to go through in your bank account. It's never ending. So don't, don't just wait till an interruption. Plan. I'm going to start reading here and I'm going to stop reading here. I think that's a really good uh, habit to get into. I think it's a good way to, to start at least a, a good habit if we haven't started it already. Um, you know, choose a place that you can focus, not in front of the TV. My mom and dad constantly got on me when I was little trying to do homework in front of the TV because they knew I couldn't do it. I couldn't focus. I, I always go back to looking at the screen. And it may not be TV for you, but choose a place that's going to be conducive for, for good contemplation of the scriptures. There's a reason that, that we don't just, you know, go in the middle of Meyer and have a worship service. Or Meyer's not a good example. I don't know why I said Meyer. There's a reason we don't go in the middle of Walmart and have a worship service. It's because that wouldn't be conducive. That wouldn't be organized. And so there are places that would help us study. Go to those places. And, and so schedule a time and place for, for your study. And finally, if and when you fail, because it probably will happen, start again. The people that are the most successful are the ones who have learned that when you fall off the horse, you don't have to stay on the ground. You get right back up. 
And for some of you, that hits a lot deeper because you own horses and, and you ride them a lot. But you get, the, you get the, the analogy, the metaphor. It's so easy to fail. It happens day in and day out. The only way we're going to be successful is if we decide, I know I'm going to fail. I know there's going to be a day. I may get backed up a whole week. I may get backed up a whole month on my daily Bible reading, but I'm going to start again. Maybe you're not able to finish that daily re uh, reading plan by December and start over in January. Start where you left off and finish it. Because what's going to happen is you're going to keep starting over in January, start in Genesis, and then start again in Genesis, start again. You're going to get a lot of Genesis. You're not going to get anything else. So pick it back up and continue and finish it. And then start over. And when you fail, start again. Uh, and so those are just a few things that I th suggestions that I think are helpful when it comes to trying to build a good habit of Bible reading. And I understand, I know it's hard to create new habits, and I know it's hard even more to just really maintain them. It may be hard even to read the Bible. You may be looking at this and thinking, I, I still just have a problem with reading. I still have a problem with studying. Think about it this way. Act like your life depends on it. Because it does. These are words of eternal life. And the further you are from his word, the further and further your mind is from his will. And therefore, the further your actions will go. It's inevitable. And so instead of getting further away from it, we need to get closer. We need to learn to look at it the proper way, thinking, this, I can't go a day without this. We need to change our diet from the worldly junk food to the spiritual nutrition of God's will. And so as we extend the invitation of Christ, this same message is for you. Have you just been eating the food that the world produces, the food that's just going to slow you down and that's going to inevitably put you in a terminal state? Or are you willing to switch to a better diet, the word of God daily, the word of God that's going to provide for you eternal life? Are you willing to accept Christ? Are you willing to hear everything that he says? Believe everything he says. Make a confession based on that belief and repent of all the things he says to do away with. All of that food that we have been eating that we need to cut out completely. And be baptized into his death to rise in newness of life. You can have life this morning and live a resurrected life until the end of your days on this earth. You can have salvation this, this very evening. If you're subject to the invitation of Christ by any means, please come forward as we stand, as we sing.